0: The Big Footy Port Adelaide Podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision.
1: My team, power. I love the power.
0: I love the power. I love the power. Hi guys, and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide Podcast, the show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, as always, Maca 19 and joining me is co-host. we got Fishing Rick. How are you, mate?
1: Maca bloody good what about you
0: yeah that's the way not too bad yeah you're
1: going good
0: pretty work. well bit of podcast yes. withdrawals uh, Yeah back, back to one a week yeah.
1: yeah well i guess it gives us a bit more life again doesn't it
0: it does yes
1: Absolutely. no footy to watch on the weekends anymore
0: mm, very sad very sad it is sad and back on the podcast we've got ross fc how you going good mate good great to have you
2: back on thanks and uh, i agree with rick it is a uh, I do miss uh, watching the footy. Hopefully we can hurry up with this trade period and get to
0: round one. Let's see. I do love off-season just as much as uh, the footy itself. I love trades. I love the draft, all that sort of stuff. I think it's fantastic.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah, I just I just find it a bit repetitive, though. It just seems – it goes for so long, and but nothing really happens. And, it's and, all deadline and yeah.
2: stuff. Yep. Yeah. Just shorten it
0: and it'll
1: we'll be fine. Mm. But it's good media for the AFL, so I can see why they do it. Yep. Definitely.
0: All right, well, I guess the main news topic before we get on to the player reviews um, this week is that our pesky next-door neighbour uh, took a bit of a fancy to one of our coaches and decided to make him senior coach. Um, Phil Walsh, our midfield manager, is going to coach the Crows for the next three years. Um, how do we feel about that one?
2: Yeah, it's uh, disappointing, uh, obviously, because if he had to end up where he uh, ended up, it would have been better if he ended up coaching someone else. But I will say, though, that I don't know much about what he did. What I later, all I know is I've heard that he was the reason we were kicking it towards the pockets, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I must admit, I'm not, I'm not too fussed uh, where he's gone. That doesn't really bother me, to be honest. I mean... I guess the only thing that bothers me slightly is, you know, you sort of leak a little bit of intellectual property. So, um, you know, retaining retaining staff, um, it does, uh, you know, you lose a little bit. But at the same time, uh, as was pointed out by our, our executives, that you know, it's it's also good business. It means we're doing something right, and Mackie point out some uh some good figures on on what's flowed through our system which i'll let you highlight in a sec so um you know i think in a way that's good and and uh, the other opportunity is that we get more fresh ideas in and another person in uh into the system which might bring something new and we might get a a more invigorated walt person of walsh's caliber but we just don't know it yet so
0: yeah
1: it's always new beginnings and more opportunities
2: yeah, definitely a new dimension yeah.
0: to our game Absolutely. as well. Yeah. yeah, no doubt about that. I think um, as Kane Corn said on the radio yesterday, and he also reiterated the same point today, was that um, in terms of the intellectual property, everyone knows what everyone else is doing anyway. It's just a matter of who does it better. Um, so I, I'm not sure we're going to lose too much. Um, I guess it depends on you know if there's a certain player that really liked Phil Walsh and, you know, he might try and poach that player or or, or other staff members, that sort of thing, um, which we might find out, uh, I guess, a, a little bit later down the track. But um, I guess for me, there's, there's two real positives to take out of it. Um, I'm taking the positive view. And as you've already said, we will get another experienced set of eyes and a voice over our midfield group next year. You know, they've learned from Richo, they've learned from Walsh, they've still got Josh Carr as their midfield coach. Now they're going to get another experienced coach, which will uh, be great for their development, I think. Um, And as you said, Rick, um, if you take away the annoyance factor, it's actually a really bloody good thing that we are known as a development club. This is our fifth assistant coach in 10 years that's become a senior coach directly from Port Adelaide. We've also had two heads of recruiting and two heads of fitness um, have been poached by other clubs. That's not including other people like Adam Kingsley and Chris Pelchin, um, who also got new roles at different clubs as well. I think it's a fantastic positive that we can develop our people into great football people who are sought after, um, you know, for promotion across the league. Um, It is annoying. It's a bit frustrating to lose that talent. Um, but the fact that we are able to develop that talent, I think, is a wonderful thing. And I'd much rather be known as a club able to develop people into wonderful assets uh, than a club that has third rate assistants and, and staff that no one else wants. Definitely.
1: We'd have to be almost the, clo- uh, the highest um, performing club in that regard, I would imagine, wouldn't we? In converting uh, assistant coaches into senior AFL coaches? We'd have to be pretty close anyway.
0: Oh, I think we're definitely number one at the moment. Um, Hawthorne has yeah. had uh, Hardwick, Cameron and uh, one other that doesn't come to mind straight away. Um, they've had three. Um, Sydney mm. have had Lion and Longmire and obviously there's Jew um, knocking on the door of, of another job as well. So, um, yeah, we're certainly up there.
1: I think for me also it's important more so for us to retain our key pillars which would be Burgess, Hinckley, and Thomas, um, they would be a lot more difficult to replace. And they're obviously the main men in relation to the bulk of our um, processes and intellectual property. So, you know, you could probably cover these sort of losses a lot easier. Um, as we saw post 2004, you know, even the loss of Brian Cunningham was a big difference to the operational side of our of our football club as a whole. So yep. um, that's where it becomes uh, more of a challenge. And I guess the other the other aspect, if we look at it objectively as well, is that for everything that Phil Walsh knows about us, we also will be able to take that away and know his philosophies of coaching in a senior position yep. at a rival club. So it goes both ways, doesn't
2: it? It
0: does.
2: Yeah, yeah. Also with the uh, Burgess, I'm hoping with that academy that he's starting up, or is it already started up?
0: I think he started it up, yeah.
2: Well, hopefully with that he can develop people where they can take people from there instead of taking the real thing and we can just keep in.
0: Well, that's the he's thing. first-rate knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, look, Walsh is going to be a, a, a loss. There's no doubt about that. His game day now, his tactical now is, is as good as it gets. Um, so I guess the question is how much exactly will we miss him and what sort of people should we be looking at to replace him?
2: Well, hopefully the replacement uh, can mix it up a little bit and you know, we don't have to lose that much in terms of tactical uh, analysis and
0: stuff
1: like that. Yeah. Well, we'll would he have been in charge of our centre clearances, Macker?
0: Well, I don't know. I, I guess you've got to work out what sort of roles he had and what sort of roles Josh Carr has had in that midfield group because Josh Carr is listed as the midfield coach and Walsh was our midfield manager. So um, I mm. guess it really depends on, on that sort of thing. I think if we're looking for a like-for-like like replacement um, for Phil Walsh's uh, particular role, I think we need to be looking at someone that has got that um, previous experience um, at yeah. AFL level. So I think we should be looking at someone like Scott Waters, um, someone like Definitely. Mark Neild, who who were both outstanding assistant coaches at Collingwood, um, or maybe even someone like Gary Ayres. Even uh,
2: <laughs> speaking on Collingwood uh Robert Harvey oh, was uh, assistant coach of the year two years ago as
0: well, I think. Yeah, I think he's their West senior Tribu, assistant. Tribu,
1: Tribu will be all excited with Gary Ayers being mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I had a I had a quick chat to him about that before. He's well keen, I think. He
2: won. Uh, he was coached from Port Melbourne and he won a couple of flags with him a couple of years ago, didn't he?
0: Yeah, I think his record actually stands up pretty well. I mean, he coached Geelong to a, a grand final and three final series in, in five years. He coached the Crows to a prelim. Probably unlucky not to make the grand final that year because of injuries. Um, mm. And three final series in four and a half years. And then he took over Port Melbourne um, and has made two grand finals and went um, undefeated on the way to a premiership with a, a club mm. in the VFL, which is a standalone club. They they didn't have any um, AFL influence in that club. So I think his record actually stands up pretty well.
2: Definitely. Even if uh, we do... Even upgrade Buddha Hocking, like he'd be a suitable replacement either as a midfield coach or as a coach.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep.
2: I was actually, um, I
1: was actually thinking something similar, but I was actually thinking, what, well, um, with all the hype around Matthew Nixon the fantastic job that he's doing, maybe giving him sort of a job promotion internally in the within the coaching group, um, to sort of fill that void, uh, if he's as good as what the rumors are, and maybe look at someone. Uh, uh, trying to fill in his like, job role in the defensive. In the, uh,
2: yeah, definitely like maybe like Ben Hart or Kingsley or something like that. I think they're defensive coaches. Yeah. yeah well, you, know, right. you can I always
0: mean, look at someone like Aaron Greaves, who's already in our system as well. Yeah. A, he's
2: a uh, development coach uh, and he's like a, a part-time right coach as well, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so
1: that way we're, we're sort of promoting within and developing within and, and then getting a, you know, and I'm just picking a random name here. I think you brought it up earlier, Macca, uh, on the forum. Like Drew Bolton, get Drew Bolton in uh, and start him as a as a line coach, and you know, and then have a healthy progression along the way. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know the capabilities and the skills of all these guys, obviously. So, uh, but that would that would also seem like a confident uh, move of the club if they if they went down that path as well.
0: Yeah, mm. uh, another one that I wouldn't be. Um... Uh, that I wouldn't mind doing would maybe be Nick Maxwell and make him a defensive line coach or an assistant line coach.
2: Yeah, that's a decent idea. Mm. Just need to yeah. get a couple of years' experience somewhere and maybe pick him up, I'd say, in a couple of years' time. Yeah.
1: Is he in the market, though, or is he in the media?
0: Well, I'm not too sure. He, he might be going down the media path. He's done a lot I of I think I saw media. him
2: Channel 7. Yeah. Mm.
1: So that, that would be the big challenge, but I'm sure we'll find... There's plenty of uh, retired places. I mean, you've even uh, players. You've got uh, old Dom. Maybe he's uh, interested, but you never yeah. know. You
0: never
1: know. That's so right. what what did you guys... Um, uh, I'm sure it's been seen. Uh, David Kosher's comments this morning. Is it, is it just a bit of tongue-in-cheek um, shooting one across the brow, bow of the rivals um, uh, talking about you know, us wanting to replicate Hawthorne and Geelong and and the Crows wanting to replicate Port Adelaide? Or or did you think maybe he let his guard down a little bit there and maybe uh, wasn't as classy for one of his rare occasions?
2: I actually think there was not much in it. Like, he was simply saying that uh, Walsh departed the, the club and the people around him, I'm not uh, sure what their names are, but they were pretty much spurring him on to say, did he have the... Coaching role at the crews and obviously was forced to admit it because he's on TV, doesn't want to say no or anything. But, yeah, he was just simply saying that uh, Walsh was uh, defying the club.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It was probably something that didn't really need to be said. But in the end, you know, it's a little bit of a cheap shot. But, you know, everyone will move on, <laughs> won't they? i yeah, will um, get
1: over it. I'm sure, I'm sure it would have got double-A outra- outraged.
0: Oh, apparently it did. Yeah, no doubt.
1: <laughs> it's a little bit of trolling by Koshy, I reckon. But that's it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, we've done some, We've done the right things. If we're becoming uh, uh, a club that people want to follow, that's for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, look, let's leave that there for now. It's a bit disappointing, but we'll all move on. Um, we'll talk about the best and fairest. Uh, which Robbie Gray won by a record margin. He scored 398 votes. He was the runaway winner. Um, Travis Boak finished second. Kane Corns finished uh, in the top three again for about the 50 millionth year in a row. <laughs> um, was there any real surprises with uh, with the leaderboard or anything like that?
2: Well, definitely not Kane Corns. He was not a surprise. I knew he'd be top three. Yep. And uh, Matthew Lobey won the coaches' award, which is. Uh, Buddy really deserves something for the work we put him through with uh, no backup whatsoever. I think we had one game, he had one game off with uh, we had Renouf come in as the carbon rod, and uh, and <laughs> yeah, that's about it. That's the only help we got.
1: I thought all the uh, all the awards were on the money, you know, yeah. Ollie Wines, best under 21 play. I mean, you couldn't argue with that. Um, yeah. Brad Ebert in the community you know he's the face of Port Adelaide bleeds for the club and you know Travis Boat winning uh what we he won uh Lobie. Robbie Gray. I think yeah they all they all tick all the boxes so you know, and I mean you knew that Robbie Gray was going to win um after what yeah. Ken no was doubt. saying before the Brownlow
0: yeah oh there's no doubt he was going to win and very well deserves his victory. He had a, an absolutely stunning season. Um, I guess the surprises for me were the lack of defenders in the top 10 in the leaderboard. Um, Jonas was the only defensive player um, in there. He snuck in in 10th spot. Jackie Homps finished 12th. I thought it was a little bit low. Jackson Trengo finished 18th. I thought, um, even though he missed a few games, I thought he'd be um, pushing the top 10 as well. Um, and I guess Chatty Wingard in 9th spot. I thought he had a pretty good year. Um, but I, I think some people maybe saw that as a bit of a surprise as well.
2: Yeah, with uh, obviously it's probably a midfielder's award or something, but with Trango, uh you could make the case that because of his injury, it might have pushed him down a couple of spots. And uh, Jack Honch, I think, should have been top 10. He was great all year, especially this season. His improvement has been out of this world.
0: Well, let's talk about some, uh, some trades. Uh, we, we spoke at length about Paddy Ryder last week. Um, But there's another player that's uh, requested a trade to Port Adelaide, which is Daniel Gorringe from Gold Coast. He's 22 years old. He's played 20 games. Um, We've spoken about that we need to uh, improve our ruck depth, and I think he would be um, a pretty good uh, shot at doing that.
2: From where he is at his his stage of his career, I think he'd be thinking any AFL or, or SANFL, and definitely the SANFL for him is the better option, him and Redden, if fit, uh, Redden uh, can be a good duo at SANFL level. I'd say Gorringe would be a forward, a forward right pinch hitting. I'd say at that time, and it'd be very good for him. It? <laughs> uh, we,
0: we spoke about Gorringe last year, and we sort of decided that it wasn't really worth chasing. But if you look at his uh, his stats and the games that he's played uh, for his age. Um, he is actually pretty comparable to most other rucks in the league at that same age. I mean, you look at Matthew Loby he'd only played three games, uh, three pretty unimpressive games, and was struggling at SA SANFL level um, at the same age. Um, he's also very comparable to guys like Sam Jacobs, Hamish McIntosh, uh, Todd Goldstein, um, Warnock, Marich Hale. Um, you know, it, it does take time for these ruckmen to develop.
2: I do see, though, that uh, in the immediate future, that he'll be more of a forward than a yep. But in maybe two, three years' time, he'd be, staying, he'd be having long stints in the Rutt, like Mitch Harvey has uh, had this season.
0: I think the thing I like about Gorringe as well is the fact that he has played considerable football at centre-half back um, in the NE AFL um, up north, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty similar to Ryder and obviously Trengove as well. So if he... Did end up coming to us. Um, it, it adds another string to our bow in terms of uh, flexibility.
2: Yeah, sometimes I feel sorry for uh, Tom Clary down Paying back,
1: for him. lack of help. So, what about Paddy Ryder, Maka? You've been, I've been a bit out of action with the the footy news a little bit. Have you been following the Paddy Ryder situation at all?
0: A little bit. I mean, it's it, it's a stalled a little bit, I guess. Um, I mean, Essendon are well within their right to expect uh, maybe a player in return and we're well within our right to, say, get stuff. So, um, you know, I guess it's a little bit of a stalemate at the moment. I mean, they're expecting someone like Hamish Hartlett, which is just ridiculous, um, as well as our first-round pick. So, I don't know. I still think we'll be able to get it done for just our first-round pick. I think the AFL might be able to sort of um, request that these sort of things go through so that things don't end up at court and it gets really messy.
2: I'm hoping that they're bluffing in this situation because I've heard that, they're also trying to get uh, Giles, which might go to the last minute. So hopefully, in the last, like early in the last day, that we can get this still done, and then they can move on to their Giles trade. Mm. I,
0: I mean, mean it, for me. it's just trade week. I mean, it's all bluster anyway. I mean, you know, you make a, a suggestion and the other club says, "Nah, that's rubbish," and they make a suggestion, "Nah, that's too much," and you just sort of whittle it down. And you know, in, in six or seven days' time, you know, the trade will get done anyway.
1: We seem to uh, be caught up with being the club, though, that gets tied into these lengthy trade negotiations, which then seems to stall the rest of our trade week. It would be nice just to have a, a fluid process once in a while where we uh, it's yep. just a nice, agreeable trade early on, which then allows us to focus on potential other trades. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I didn't like the Essendon's uh, list manager's explanation of, uh, well, he finished seventh in our best and fairest, so we'll take your seventh in your best and fairest. I mean, (laughs) what sort of childish rubbish are we talking about here? How's that any analogy on on how to do a trade? Yeah,
2: Sounds like a guy that doesn't even want to do a trade at all, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if it goes to the last minute, Um, this one. I think Essendon will sort of hold off and they're known for being sort of pricks at the uh, at the trade table. And as mentioned on radio yesterday, I think there's quite a few clubs that just outright refuse to deal with Essendon anymore. Yeah,
2: I've heard uh, from Terry Wallace that Adelaide and Essendon are the worst teams to deal with apparently. Mm. <laughs> you
1: and, uh, did you see the, the dagger in uh, the dual Port Adelaide Football Club supporters where uh, Levi Greenwood has uh, requested to be traded to Collingwood?
0: Disappointing, oh, wow. disappointing. I, I really like Greenwood and I would have loved him to have come home but I guess we're uh, we're probably not really interested in his type of player but I think he'll do well at Collingwood.
2: I was hoping he'd stay for another year and then uh, maybe like the next year we could uh, pick him up but I doubt it's going to happen
0: now. No. Nah. Well, did, nah.
1: Didn't he finish second in their best and fairest?
0: Equal second. second. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so Collingwood equal- have offered him a four-year deal for... $450,000 a year, I think, so it's it's quite a big deal for Greenwood. You can't say no to that.
2: Apparently, I mean, North Melbourne's coach uh, doesn't actually rate him as highly as uh, Collingwood do, which he got an offer that was below Collingwood as well, so... Yep.
1: I mean, to me, I think if we were to pursue him, he would really be taking Kane Corns' spot in the side, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, I reckon we can groom uh, Calhoun for that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cornsley,
0: I'm so. pretty happy if we just go for Ryder and Gorringe um, this trade yeah. period, and I don't know what that means for Luke Loudon. There, there was a lot of talk that we were very interested in him, so I don't know if that's been put on the back burner because of Gorringe.
2: If we mm. uh, throw in our second rounder somehow in the deal for Ryder, which probably won't get us Gorringe any more I, I think uh, that third round of the Loudon could happen, but. Yeah, only if uh, something happened, if something wrong happens in this whole trade period, then we'll probably get him. Well,
1: for That's all the love, the love and law of Pat Ryder, I'm not willing to throw the, uh, the kitchen sink out for him and I think our first round pick is fair um, because until this season uh, just finished, he wasn't that great and he's had a reasonable season. wasn't uh, spectacular if you look at his BNF result, but... And who knows what he's going to deliver next year. I mean, we don't have a huge form line to go by of consistency that he's going to be, um, you know, the panacea to all our problems. So it's, um, yeah, I just don't want to overcommit and, you know, I I don't want to spoil our midfield depth either. I know as a footy club we've always got to be improving, but, We've still got a young midfield, but a performing midfield. So I don't see the reason why we need to look at even disbanding or disjoining that. It's growing organically well enough. So, And there's plenty of options out there for us. So you know, if Ryder's not the one, well, then he's not the one. And, and then we move on to uh, the next potential player.
2: I know the negotiators on our club, the list managers and stuff, they're trying to be nice by uh, doing an ethical trade. But you know, I think if the roles were reversed and Essendon were put in the situation we're in, I think they probably would have screwed us over, and and, uh, Ryder would have gone out of his contract already.
0: Well, let's talk about the main reason for uh, these review podcasts now at the end of the season, which is uh, we'll start our player reviews this week. Uh, we're going to do it in alphabetical order. Um, so obviously we start with Brendan Archie, um, who's a 20-year-old. It was his third season on the list uh, for Port Adelaide. He's yet to debut at AFL level. Um, he played 19 games in the SANFL this year for 11 goals, averaged around about 15 disposals a game. Um, you know, He's a half-forward that pushes through the midfield. How do we see his season this year?
2: I think uh, his best position, in my opinion, is at half forward. He does. I've heard him in the past say that he wants to try and be like Oli Wines and be in, stay in the inside midfield, in the inside midfield role. I will say though that uh, his first half of the year, I will admit that I wanted him out, and he has completely proven me wrong. And he's, it's just so great how his second. Uh, Half of the year has been. I think Buddha Hawking laid down the gauntlet halfway through the year. Uh, turned from a ten to fifteen possession player to about a twenty plus possession player, and he he did that with you know just flying uh, colours. Great great half of the season. You know I hope he gets uh, another year.
0: Yeah. Obviously he's uh, one of the favourites of the podcast. He was one of our player sponsors this year uh, for Big Footy. Um, you are right, he did have a bit of a poor start to the season. He was averaging only 11 touches a game to the state game. But he did really come good in that second half of the season with, with a bit more midfield time. I do like him as a midfielder. I think he reads the play exceptionally well at the stoppages. Um, and, and you could just sense his confidence building as the year went on. He was starting to get more and more of the ball. He was starting to hit those sort of over 20 disposal games. He was taking more marks, hitting some more goals. He had a pretty good final series as well.
2: You could almost compare it to uh, Ben Newton's 2013, like half of the year. Yeah. I think he might have gotten an early injury and uh, he looked to be gone. And in that second half, uh, if we didn't play finals that year, I think he probably would have gotten a game in the late in 2013.
1: Rick, what and he took a good time hanger time? as Oh, I just thought he took a good hanger. Hmm. That's all that mattered. <laughs> no, no. Look, basically what you guys said, he, uh, he had Taylor two halves, really, for the season and... Uh, I thought for me it was most noticeable in the grand final, which I, I sort of spoke about a little bit. And uh, he really looked like his twitch fibres, so to speak, have really progressed through the year. And he started his pace of how he, he was looking to use the ball seemed to be at a faster level than what the SANFL needed. So he seems to be adjusting quite well now. And you pointed out he's 20 Ollie Wines has just turned twenty, mm. so third year in the system, but you know, an extra year really than Ollie Wines, but he's still the same age as Ollie Wines. Yeah. So I don't think he has been contracted yet, uh, but I would hope that the club, uh, once the trade period is over, I guess, will make a commitment to at least give him one more year, uh, because I think next year, you know, it could be a very good breakout year for for Brendan Archie.
0: Oh, yeah, I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, as we said, he, he played a really good game against Sturt at, uh, at Unley Oval. I also thought his, uh, his prelim final against South was probably his best game for the year, picking up 24 touches and two goals. Um, I think he's got a lot of natural talent. He reads the play super well. He's got a great size for an AFL player. Um, I think at the moment he's probably a bit of a poor man's Andrew Moore, I'd guess you say, in, in terms of playing style. But I think next year, if he does get another contract, um, if he has a really good preseason, if he starts the season well, he should be able to push for games. Yeah, I think late in the
2: year he could get a couple of uh, emergency gigs if he improves at the rate he did in the second half this year. Hmm. Like uh, Carl Amon uh, got, a, I think he was an emergency once. He was a you know, it was a reward for what he's done.
0: Yeah. Alright, second player to talk about is Carl Amon. Um, He's 19 years old. It was his first season. He was a late pick in the draft last year. Um, He's another midfielder slash forward. He played 19 games as well, kicked 15 goals, averaged just over 16 disposals a game. I thought he was someone that really impressed um, in his debut season with his skills, um, his pace and ability to read the play as well.
2: Definitely a value pick, that's for sure. On the wing, uh, half forward, even as a small forward, he can kick a couple of bags. Uh, I think one game he kicked four as well.
0: Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was against South in round 13. He kicked. Uh, he had 21 touches and four goals, a, a super game that day. He was rewarded, as you said, uh, with a couple of, of emergency spots uh, late in the year. I think um, against Collingwood was one of them.
2: Is he uh, contracted? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd have, he'd
1: have yeah. two years, wouldn't he? Yeah, Like minimum, this year and yeah. next year. Absolutely. He, yeah.
2: he deserves it. Uh, he's been uh, he's been great this year. Yeah. Very, yeah. very valued
1: people. No, I mean, look, he was one of those uh, slender guys that was going to be very uh, lucky, so to speak, I guess, to get an AFL call-up. So to push his way onto the emergency list was a, a fair acu- accomplishment. And, uh, and I guess this is where if we're looking at maybe... Moving on, Ben Newton, this would be one of those, him and Archie would be one of those type of players that would be hoping to uh, push through and take his uh, um, second tier pressure to the a- AFL level for the first 22 players. So, yeah. um, but a very serviceable first year uh, for that, yeah. on. and uh, it will be very interesting to see what he can deliver for us next year.
0: Look, um, he, he was another that I've off- didn't really have many um, expectations of I thought it you know he was pretty small you know these sorts of players can sometimes take a couple of years to develop but and, and he did have a quite a slow start to the season it did take him probably uh, four to six weeks to, to really find his, his niche but he, he really did find um, a, a good sort of role in that SA NFL team as that sort of wingman um, he's got fantastic skills probably um, just needs to hit the target a little bit more but you know, with his pace, with his uh, little bit of X factor, he can kick a goal. Um, I think he's definitely got an AFL future.
2: Yeah, uh, Paul Stewart even said on uh, Twitter that he really, he's really bullish on his potential, that he thinks that he can uh, get a game next year at AFL level.
0: Yep. I think there's no doubt he's going to get games next year. Um, Once again, he had a very good final series, averaged um around 16 touches and a goal a game throughout the final series, so well, it was good to see him perform on the big stage as well. All right, the next player, uh, one of the big guns, Travis Bokar, super captain. He's uh, 26 years old. He's his second right. season as captain. Uh, he played 24 games, kicked 19 goals, averaged uh, 26 disposals a game. He was uh, our number one player in disposals, inside 50s, contested possessions, second in clearances, and fifth in tackles. He finished uh, second in the best and fairest and fifth in the Brownlow. Um, how do we see his year? Well, what can say, Is this
1: time limited? This podcast certainly isn't.
2: <laughs> what can you say? Like what a what a champion he's in his prime. I think he's rated like knight in the AFL on the rating system. It's like what a champion, what a captain. I think he might be the best captain we've ever had on at AFL level. Oh, come on, steady on.
0: Oh, I've made that call a couple of times. I, I do he like starts, that call. I do like <laughs> that
1: call. Sound like Bloody hell. <laughs> of his. Wait to let's wait to the end of his career. And then I'll well, have jump.
2: no i have no doubt that at the end of his career it won't even be an argument. Mm.
1: He'll be knighted.
2: It won't even be an argument that he'll be no. the
1: best captain. Well it could be. Could be. But I mean look I AJ, it makes, takes me back to two thousand and twelve. There were there were people that, um, and I wasn't one of them. Funny enough, um, that were also considering his use in the side. Really, I think that was the year he was carrying that foot injury. Is that right, Macker? Yeah.
0: yeah, he was carrying an injury and and wasn't really hitting his targets by foot yeah. and, and was struggling a little bit. Yep.
2: Was it so ankle or heel? I thought it was.
1: I thought it was the inside of his. Um, um, Base of his foot, like his kind yeah. of fascia or whatever it is.
2: I think he was out for a month or something, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, mm-hmm. but then even after that, he must have been injured and been playing on painkillers because he was even looking like he was kicking a football like with a numb. But he, um, you know, And then obviously we've had the world spoken that he had he had that uh, infamous "What am I going to do?" moment, and yeah. we know what he chose. But you know, to see where he's gone from that low point as an individual player. Uh, in a low-pointed team to where he is now and what he's doing is just a, a testament to his character as a uh, a footballing leader as well as a player to be able to raise his standards. And uh, even though he's getting close to his ceiling, I think he's still got a long way to go um, in relation to now his consistency. I think he can still up at another level. And yeah. uh, it will be scary if he can actually deliver on that, I would, I would imagine, for a lot of titles.
2: I, I will say though that back in the dark days, there were comparisons to him and Selwood about, oh, why? Some people were saying, you know, why didn't we pick Selwood and stuff like that. But you can definitely see now when we're up the top that he's worth every, you know, he's worth the draft pick, and no one can argue it.
0: No, absolutely. Um, here's a question: Was he better in 2013 or 2014?
2: Uh, I'd say 13. Same with Wingard. But he didn't. Yeah. Wingard, uh, you know, he had a good season this year, but it was down in form a lot. But, but it was maybe just a tiny bit down. Not not much.
0: So I, reckon, I reckon it's super close. It's super, super mm. close. Last year, he single handedly got us over the line with those huge last quarters against uh, Adelaide twice, I think it was, against West Coast, against Collingwood. Um, this year he's, he just dominated games from the get-go and in big games as well. You know, he had three Brownlow votes against Geelong. He had three Brownlow votes against Hawthorne. Um, he got two against Sydney, one against Frio. I mean, that's a good record there. And he obviously he was best on ground in our home final against Richmond as well.
1: And we don't want him to have to carry the team on the back, uh, on his back. It's not healthy. Um, so if, the player, if he's lifting the players around him to the... Other level, well then he's doing his job as captain. And if we're not noticing what he's doing as much, even though he's doing it, uh, again kudos to him as captain. And I remember the talk about who was better, Luke Hodge or Chris Judd. Now, when you're reflecting on the end of their careers, who who would people be arguing is the better draft pick now? So, at uh, both young players, still a lot of water to go under that bridge in relation to. Uh, who end up being the better player. But yep. both players are fantastic players in their own right.
0: He's just such a great leader. I love Bogey. He's just a great player. Pure mm. Port Adelaide, I reckon. Definitely.
1: He is. He, epit- he epitomises what a Port Adelaide captain is. And the, to me, if I think Port Adelaide and captain, the first thing I think of is selfless. And uh, he's definitely that. Yep.
0: Look, next uh, cab off the rank is uh, Matty Broadbent, uh, the Cobra. He's 24 years old, played 104 games. Uh, this year, he played every game. He played 25 games. He averaged uh, just over 18 disposals a game, uh, four marks and 3.6 rebounds a game. In fact, he was our, our best player in terms of rebounds from 50. Um, you know, Most of the season, he played as that sort of plus one down back uh, for most of the year. Uh, I guess the question, similar to Bokey, was he better in 2013 or 2014?
2: I think he was slightly better this year. I like uh, how he was 30th best in the AFL, according to Sheehan. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it was a surprise. But he, uh, in my opinion, his best spot on the ground is mopping up as that plus one in the back pocket, uh, giving the ball off. Also, uh, with the kickouts as well, giving it to Lobie, giving it to Westoff, maybe potentially Ryder. I think that's the best spot on the ground. Maybe a little bit in the midfield as well, like in the third quarter or
1: something like that. I reckon his 2013 was a little bit better, Mm. but that's because I think he wasn't respected as much by the opposition and was able to get away with his his own game a little bit more. He got a lot more attention this year because uh, I think the Brisbane game showed you just can't let him run wild and get 35 possessions and do whatever he wants because he with such a penetrating kick, um, and the ability to rebound, as you pointed out, he can do too much damage. And yeah. that's where he's forming a great nucleus of a of a defensive uh, unit there. Uh, when you throw in the players like O'Shea and Jasper Pittard collectively as a defensive unit, they're going to be very offensive with their ball movements. So, but, uh, I mean, he's still developing nicely. And I, I agree, Ross. I think he's got an ability to be able to now that his body is mature to impact in the midfield rotations as well. And um, I think that happened in, was it the Hawthorne game?
2: Yeah, I think near the end, but not right at the end, probably like late third, I'd say. Yeah, Spend
1: yeah. a bit of time. Yeah, so he's got that physical body now uh, to be able to go into the midfield and exert some influence there as well but then come back to the defence and provide that steady head when need be. So, you know, Actually, he's taken a he, while. He
0: did come third in our best and fairest playing as a pure midfielder in 2012. So he, he definitely can it. play that role. Yeah. So
2: 2012, that was uh, the breakout year, wasn't
0: it? That was his breakout year, yeah. Um, I probably thought he was a, a tiny bit better last year than he was this year. I think he was certainly more consistent last year. I thought he had a brilliant first half of the year, and, and I can understand why someone like Sheehan would consider him uh, maybe 30th best player in the AFL if he did see his first half of the year, but I actually had him in the All-Australian side halfway through the year, but I thought he did fall away pretty badly once clubs sort of worked out that they need to sort of spend some more attention on him, man him up a little bit, um, and, I, and I thought it took him you know, probably three or four weeks to adjust to that um, after the halfway mark of the season. I think probably my main criticism of him is that he needs to have some better positioning in that defensive 50. I think mm-hmm. he gets caught in no man's land a little bit, um, where he's neither sort of the third man up, providing the spoil or the mark, um, or providing that dash and carry. He sort of gets stuck in between a little bit. I do notice on the
2: opposition boards uh, leading up to some games that people do mention that uh, Broadbent should get a bit of attention in their forward lines, that he gets tagged a little bit, Mm. which I don't really really see that happening sometimes. I don't notice it, but he does get the attention.
0: Do we still see him playing that role, that sort of uh, plus one in defense role next year?
2: Yep.
1: Well, I guess who else is going to play it? O'Shea. okay mm. yeah, Jasper. I guess it depends on how badly we need him in the uh, uh, the midfield. I think that we've got it. We've got his spot covered in the midfield at the moment. So yeah, um, you know, it could be if we don't need him as that plus one, he could be in a bit of trouble. Mm. I, I think guess. Uh, so. Calhoun
2: does pretty
0: well in that role, but
2: I'm not sure if he'll get uh, as many games early in the year as I think because of his leg. Like- no. Yeah,
0: it'll, it'll probably take him a, a couple of months to, uh, to get back into the swing of things, I would think. Yep. On to the next player, someone that we could probably spend an entire podcast talking about. Uh, yep. Big Johnny Butcher, the future, possibly the past. You never know. Uh, he's 22 years old. He's played uh, 23 games as a key position forward this year. He played the first three games at AFL level, kicked two goals, took 13 marks, uh, was dropped and wasn't seen again after that. He played 16 games in the SANFL and kicked 32 goals, took 79 marks. Um, what a season it was for Johnny Butcher, full of highs and lows. Um, it was his first full pre-season. He played the first three games, he was dropped and he wasn't seen again.
1: Can I ask you boys a question here? Mm-hmm. How old's Dan Gorringe?
0: 22. 22.
1: And how old's John Butcher?
0: 23, I think. 22, I think.
1: Oh, Could it be 20, 23,
0: 22.
1: actually. Yeah. How, how tall's Gorge? 200 centimetres? Yep. About that. How, how tall's Butcher?
0: 197. 197.
1: I yep. So, I guess we know That's what his weaknesses right. are, but why are we, some of us as supporters, so critical and scathing and willing to burn him off already, but then at the same time, we're willing to look at someone like Dan Goring and go, well, he's still young, still developing, um, and they take time as a tall player. So, I mean, if if we were looking at his Butcher as a Rutman, we might be more to give him more time to develop. But because we're looking at him as a forward, we have this unhealthy obsession that he should be kicking 50 goals a season. Um, I don't know, just putting that out there.
2: I, I think what it is, is. Uh because he kicked those bags a couple of years ago, that there's been so much hype around him. And because he hasn't reached you know, that potential that we've all thought he would at the moment, he still can. But uh, because but that's of not that, his
1: fault. Yeah. It's not his fault that he kicked those goals. And it's not his fault oh, that not, he got dubbed. No. You're right.
2: And, it, and
1: it's, it's not his fault that he's been dubbed the future. It was probably, with hindsight, it was probably a very unfair call um, to put on him. And probably put more pressure on him than, what really needed to be. Yeah,
2: I think you he probably like one or two goals in those in those games, you know, there wouldn't be so much hype around him, and there wouldn't be so many disappointed people.
0: Yeah, well, I then... think it's, it's obviously there's there's reasons why people think he's been a little bit disappointing. Obviously, his consistency is is something that gets talked about. You know, one week he'll kick five goals, the next week he can't get a kick. Um, obviously his skills um have been much talked about. Um, whether he can actually judge um, his leading um, and the ball coming in from further upfield correctly is something that's been um, widely talked about. Um, I don't know. I I think we all hold out um, some real hope for Butcher. We all want him to succeed. Um, He's a great bloke. He's got some great um, attributes to his game. Um, It's just whether or not he's actually going to ever put them together or not.
2: Yeah, as it stands, he's got another year on his contract as well. So if he doesn't uh, somehow find a trade, we have to stick with him and we have to hope that he comes good in the next year as well. Yeah. Well, you have to. we have to be
1: really clever about what we're, we're trading to if that was to happen because, I mean, we've obviously invested a fair bit in him. So, I mean, there's no point uh, trading him for, you know, a third Burger or fourth round pick. Or a bag of peanuts, that's right. Maybe we should go to SMF and ask for their peanuts. But, um, you know, we're not going to really, what's the benefit of doing that? Nothing. Um, you know, we're better off sticking fat with the guy and really working on his goal kicking and his confidence. So, uh, I probably, the biggest criticism I have of John, which also is director at the club, is, you know, he's been in our system so long now that there hasn't been improvement there. And I think that's an indictment both on the player but also the coaches at the free club that they haven't been able to develop that. And I don't know if it is just because of his injuries and surely we're a professional enough organisation that we should have been able to develop some sort of structure and routine uh, to sort of facilitate improvement there and that just doesn't seem visible as a supporter.
2: I've heard uh, that this has been denied but I still think that there's something might be wrong with his hip. Which uh, affects his kicking? Mm.
0: I'm not too sure. I mean, his kicking, even in uh, even in the juniors, was always an issue. He's always been a player that can, you know, one week he'll kick seven goals, the next week he'll kick two goals, eight. You know, it's always been a problem for John Butcher. I think his ball drop is something that's um, regressed over the years instead of developed, which is a uh, an issue in itself. Um, but look, for me, I think um, the main issue with his game for me is that there's just no bread and butter with Johnny Butcher. It's either all or nothing. It's either all, all spectacular. You know, He can kick fantastic goals from the boundary, on the run from the boundary, but yep. get him 15 metres straight in front. And as we saw in that, uh, in that second showdown, sometimes he can't even make the distance from 20 metres out dead in front. So that's a problem in itself as well. Um look, he he was probably the most disappointing player for, for this year for me. As I said, you know, he had a, a full pre season. Everyone said just wait till he has a full pre season, then we can judge him. I said at the end of last year that um if he has another poor season he might find himself out of the AFL system. I don't think we'll delist him. Um but it wouldn't no. surprise me if, if someone comes knocking, we might look to trade him.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: And I, I guess it was a sign um, a lot of people were, were quite shocked that he got dropped in round three, but I think um, when you look at the best and fairest votes, he only got one best and fairest vote in round one, another one in round two, and nothing in round three. So I think going by those coaches, um, obviously he was he was doing something um, not quite right. Um, I will at say that,
2: level. That, that is pretty harsh, though. they he only got one vote. In that second game, I thought he was actually pretty good.
0: He was really good in that in that showdown. I thought. I guess it was all the uh, all the different things that he was doing. Like he was keeping the ball in front. He wasn't actually taking many marks, but I thought his competitiveness was probably the best we've ever seen it um, in that showdown, which was great. And he was very uh,
2: unselfish as well. He gave off a couple.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he kicked twenty three goals in seven games when he went back to the SANFL, but. He just couldn't get a look in. Obviously, he struggled through the second half of the season. He got viral meningitis, which knocked him around a little bit. Um, Then he got injured on the verge of the finals. He he came back in for the grand final, but just couldn't put it together. Yep. So what are the hopes for Johnny Butcher for 2015? Is he ever going to put it together?
2: Well, at the moment, I'd probably say, uh, unfortunately, I'd have to say no. But, you know, he's still still got another preseason to go. And... uh,
1: I'm hoping he can turn it around. My call is he's on the list. He's going to be the most talked-up player for 2015 by all the other players. Mm. I mean, everyone's going to be talking about watch out for Johnny Butcher. Johnny Butcher's on fire on the training track. Johnny Butcher's going to deliver. Everyone's going to pump up his tyres for 2015.
0: Yeah. And it has to.
1: 2015 has to be his year.
0: Boy, it is. As I said at the end of last year, he could find himself out of the AFL system. By the end of next year, it would have been six full seasons in the AFL system. If he doesn't make it next year, I think that's it. It's game over for Johnny.
2: Yep, I agree.
0: All right, on to the next player. Um, Darcy Byrne-Jones, um, another debutant this year. Um, he's 19 years old. Um, was around about a third-round pick from memory. Uh, Didn't play a game at AFL level, but was another that played 19 games in the SNFL. Averaged just under 15 disposals a game. He's he's quite a quick back flanker that can also run through the middle and on the wing. Um, He's he's one that actually came to play from the start. He had really good form early. Um, His skills and competitiveness can be a little bit of a mixed bag. I think he needs to be switched on for a little bit longer. But he's clearly got a lot of talent.
2: I think late in the year as well, uh, he almost got 30 possessions in one of those finals. It might have been 27 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually reminds me a little bit of uh, a more attacking version of Pittard as well. Just the way he runs around with the ball. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he got so 22 what's, touches what's
1: in the prelim. talking about there? A more a attacking version of Pittard. Come on. He's not even the same center? sphere as Pittard. <laughs> Alright, you don't you can't even make comparisons like that. Uh,
0: how about an S version? Rick, just wait for the Jasper Pittard podcast and we can uh, uh, we can discuss it. We're just doing
1: best. we're doing a whole review on Jasper, aren't we?
0: we yeah, one podcast. Much the Pittard Yeah, maybe <laughs> That would be epic. We'd go for two and a half minutes. <laughs> <be great>.
1: Thirty <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look, I think he's clearly got a lot of talent to work with. I think for him, it's all mental. He just needs to know that he does belong on an AFL list and that he can actually put these sort of um, consistent performances together. Um, as I said, I think he needs to be switched on for longer. I think there's it's something that happens with young players. I think you know that there's times where they look to be cruising on the park a, a little bit and I think that'll improve as, as time goes on. I really like his pace. Um, I love his tackling. Um, it's just a matter of him hitting those targets with his foot skills as well.
2: Yeah, for him, uh, I'd say in his uh, sights or his goals, I don't think AFL should be in it. I think a good 20-plus uh, you know, possession average season in the SNFL should be his goal.
0: Yeah. I'd agree with that. I think uh, good, uh, good quality, consistent SNFL footy um, and aim to play from sort of round one 2016. Definitely. Uh, now one of our favourites, Alipati Carlisle. He had a fantastic year. I thought he's uh, 27 years old. He plays as our fullback. He's played 153 games. He played 20 games this year. He finished 14th in our best and fairest. Um, I thought he had a very good season.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd have to give out uh, a shout-out to Burjo. He's turned his career around. Uh, he's very good fullback for us. Some people we've been throwing up uh, all Australian as well during the year that he almost uh, should have got in, in the squad at least.
1: Mm. I think we could argue that you're robbing Alapati credit for turning his own career around with the guidance of Burgess.
2: Yeah, yeah um, exactly.
1: Yep. It's, um, you know, Alapati's done the hard work. And look, it's I'm going to use this I word again. It's a bit of indictment on Alapati. He let himself go uh, back then, but he did. He learnt from his mistakes and he turned it around and, and he put in a blistering uh, 2014, I thought, and nothing better than his preliminary final against Hawthorne. I thought that game from him was fantastic. He, um, he was a general back there, and uh, he kept running the lines, and that was the feature for me for him all year, his dare to run the lines, and uh, that's a Port LA fullback to me.
2: What was uh, the injury that you got halfway through the year?
1: Uh, I'm it? yep
2: I reckon when he when he came back, I think he actually came back a, a few weeks too early, and he really uh like the way he was running like you could tell that he was a bit uh, underdone, and uh, I think it's great that he you know really wanted to come back and slot back into the team yeah
0: his last two seasons he's definitely become the player that he always looked like becoming um as, as a younger player, sort of around when he was sort of twenty twenty one years old. Um, he had a few down years there um, across the sort of primus era, but I think we all um, sort of scratch our head how he got a four-year deal um, at the end of the primus era. But look, he's, um, he's repaid that faith in spades, I think. He had a bloody good year this year. Um, he kept players like um, uh, Kennedy, Pavlich, Hale, Waite, and Podziadly to one goal. Also kept Pavlich goalless once, um, as well as Liam Jones and Tom Lee. Um I think probably the only two players he struggled with was uh was Travis Cloak and Jared Ruffett. even though I thought he did play a pretty good uh pre final, his opponent did kick six goals.
1: Yep. Yeah, but Ruffy wasn't always his opponent an opponent. I mean, uh he wasn't following him up the ground when uh when Roughhead was going into the centre line, so even, um,
2: even most of those goals that Roughhead got, they were like all from in the goal square, one like metre out anyway, off the ground.
1: Yeah, or a shank, shin kick that just bobbles through.
2: Yeah, I love when he storms uh, through centre half back and just knocks over sort of a couple of people and kicks it to centre half forward. That's exactly and... right. Mm.
1: The Port Adelaide line busting fullback that we've all grown up watching over the years and even generations the courage to take the game on and uh, and create run and carry. I mean, no better than uh, the great Roger Delaney used to do yeah. in the 80s and 90s. Channeling um, Roger,
0: just with more That's head.
1: exactly right. Channeling Roger. Yeah. That could be another podcast, that one.
0: <laughs> All right, the last player for this podcast, um, the great Dominic Cassisi, 31 years old, played 228 games. Obviously, he retired mid-year. He played 13 games this year, finished 22nd in the Best and Fairest. 13.8 disposals and three and a half tackles a game. What a fantastic career for Dom Cassisi.
2: Great servant of the club. And uh, I think mid-year when he did retire, I reckon it was his uh, his call. He wanted uh, you know, the players themselves to you know, try and win the premiership. And uh, he didn't want to hold them back. And I think one of my memories of Dom was uh, last year at, uh, at Amy Stadium against Sydney. He got completely punted in the head. I thought his head fell off. Mm. And he just got up straight away and dived on the ball like nothing happened. And just the courage in that man. Just, I can't believe it.
0: Yeah. That was probably his best game last year. And look, I thought he he had a very good start to the season. I thought his best games came in the first half of the year where he was really good against the Crows in round two, really good against Brisbane in round four, and also backed that up um, in round five against West Coast. Um, obviously, he slowed down as the season went on. He, he missed a few games um, with, uh, I guess, fatigue. And in the end, he retired. His body couldn't keep up anymore. And you know, he's just been such a great player. And he, he did slow down in recent years. But he was such an important player um, at his peak. And obviously, he was a, a former club captain as well.
2: Definitely.
1: And he went out like a classy captain. Mm. Again, selfless. He made a selfless decision for the footy club and the team. And you can't ask for any more than that. And he played a selfless brand of football for the whole time that he was at the uh, footy club. No, he could have played an accumulating possession game and he did at times, but then other times he played that negating, hard-working, stopping style, which he, we needed him to do when we had the better players in the side, so yep. he did it all. But it was clear that father time was uh, catching up with him and, you know, it happens to all footy players, so... There's nothing disrespectful about saying that, but at least he had the grace to be able to call the shots and identify it and go out on his own terms. So you've got to respect yeah. Yeah. it.
0: That's it. Um, I mean, he, he was a great inside midfielder. He, he, he was a clearance king. You know, he was a hard tackler. He always won the hard ball. But as you said, Rick, he could always do a, a very good defensive job and no more than in the uh, in the 2004 grand final where he went on to Jason Akamanis in the, in the second half and really shut him out of the game.
2: I think we can also say, uh, with that last game he played, uh, I'm glad that Schultz kicked that winner to send him off the correct way. Oh, no doubt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, next week we'll, uh, we'll continue our player reviews, have some more uh, trade chat, I guess. Um, Ross, it was fantastic to speak to you again. Thanks for having me. Rick, as always, buddy.
1: The blue swimmer crabs are out there, Macca.
0: Get in. Into it, we got
1: six. We got 60 on the weekend.
0: Oh, lovely,
1: and it over two days, mind you. So, we didn't breach our limits. Yep. And uh, favorite recipe much. crab cakes,
2: crab cakes, mashed
1: potato, nice, crab, corn, egg, mm. salt, pepper, bit of chili flake. Mix it all up, then crumb it with breadcrumbs, shallow fry with a bit of butter. Rock on,
0: beautiful, nice. easy. You made me hungry now. <laughs> Brilliant.
1: <laughs> but I reckon it's better. If you're going to do them, get out there before Christmas. After Christa, Christmas, they uh, they dry up a little bit. Yep.
0: Good stuff. All right, boys. Until next time. Have a good one. Calm Ports. Calm
2: Ciao.
1: Can't up, mateys.
2: Big boomerang. He was the hero a couple of years ago in Port Adelaide's last showdown win. It's an old-time classic!